It's great to be back again this, uh, this Sunday, and I'm just honored again that uh, Mark uh, asked me to fill in for him, and it's always great to be back with you, and I love to come and to be with this class. It's definitely a special class, and so thanks for having me back. Uh, I know that every time when I do, there's always going to be either a surprise with a PowerPoint or there's going to be a surprise with the notes. This is a guide. Okay, I know what Mark puts out every week. This is a guide. But, you know, there's a strategy behind this. Because, see, the fewer words you have, the fewer misspelled words you'll have. So for those of you who have been here in the past, the last time I was here, you'll notice that that's pretty important to me. So I just have some things up there that are just guides for you because I want you really to take your own notes. When I met with Mark this week and we were talking about uh, uh, the class and kind of the lesson and the direction we want to go, uh, he uh, said that, uh, you know, that there was a time, uh, not, uh, well, I guess maybe, I guess it's going a couple years ago or so, when he gave out uh, NIV Bibles to everybody in the class. But the agreement was is that you had to bring it, and then also you need, had to bring a pencil and take notes and stuff. I said, well, if they've got pencils and they've got their Bibles with them, then uh, it would be better for them to write down because I want you to write down what the Holy Spirit's saying to you and not necessarily me putting, you know, a lot in the words. Plus, I'm not writing a book or putting it together in a book form like what Mark can do with all of his notes. And so it's a little bit different uh, direction what we're going here. But hopefully that will be just a little guide. Those are basically the, the areas that we're going to cover as we talk about the topic of spiritual warfare in specifically Paul and spiritual warfare. Now, I know that you all have been studying Paul for quite a while, and when I was talking with Mark, I said, well, look, give me some ideas of what you haven't covered and where you might want me to cover. And he said, well, okay. He said, I've got about 10 things. And I said, okay, well, shoot. And so we were talking about it. He said, well, you know, you could, you could speak of um, uh, 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 a women's role in the church. Uh, you could talk about women and submitting to their husbands. You can talk about Paul and spiritual warfare. And I just stopped right there. I said, aren't those all pretty much the same thing right there? You know what I'm talking about? Ha, ha, ha. Okay. But uh, anyway, so when he was talking about this, I said, you mean you haven't really kind of zeroed in on that? He said, no, no, I haven't. And he said, I'm going to come back and begin to wrap up with Paul. But he said, if you wanted to kind of go in the direction of spiritual warfare, he said, I think that would be a, a good thing. I said, well, okay, that sounds good. Because I think that uh, uh, that's what I'd like to be able to, to do. Now, uh, let me just say I am going to include some passages, obviously, to set the context, you know, obviously from Jesus and from other parts of the Scripture. But the key is here is that we're going to zero in on what Paul said about spiritual warfare. The good news is, as we can expect, an inspired writer of the Bible uh, is that he was right on the same page with Jesus and every other uh, uh, passage in Scripture about what this thing called spiritual warfare is really all about. But you know, Paul really gives us some helpful insights, although I will say to you that I think that there's some, there's some writers out there, there's speakers out there that really zero in on this particular topic of spiritual warfare. But I don't think there's any experts on spiritual warfare. I mean, I think the moment that somebody thinks they are an expert on spiritual warfare, they are setting themselves up for disaster and they become a target of Satan. Why? Because uh, God says in the book of James that God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. And I think if anybody thinks, you know what, I've got this whole spiritual warfare thing fi uh, figured out, boy, they are just setting themselves up uh, for that. Some of those uh, things I've experienced in my own uh, life, especially earlier on in ministry, uh, and I'll share that with you a little bit later on, 
where I felt like or I thought that I had kind of a, I had zeroed in on figuring out the devil. Well, I found out the hard way that's not the case. But anyways, we are going to be talking today about Paul and spiritual warfare. Now, when we talk about spiritual warfare, people, everybody out here would, I, I would think, conjure up different things. You know, there's things that just kind of flash through your mind. You know, we, we've seen uh, 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 little fun uh, 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 sketches on Saturday Night Live or, or, or shows or in little plays or whatever and little cartoons where we picture the devil as this little character in a red suit, you know, and he's got a forked tail and uh, he goes around with a pitchfork, you know, and, and, and he's kind of cutesy. In fact, when I was doing, finding some of these, uh, the, these pictures and uh, I, I actually found one of a little, if you could imagine this, uh, somebody, I guess, thinking this was cute. I didn't think it was cute. The baby was cute. The baby was real, real cute. But they actually had this little baby in a devil suit sitting at a desk, real chubby cheeks, really cute. And the caption was, I feel like I'm in hell. And I just looked at it and I went, oh man, how sad. Because they're making a joke about something that. Well, I guess there's plenty of jokes around there. We always tell our, you know, St. Peter at the gates of heaven type jokes and all that. But really, when you get down to it, hell is never a laughing matter. Never a laughing matter. And it was just something that hit me wrong when I saw this little uh, a baby there, cute little baby and a little devil. So I'm sure somebody thought that was really cute and they were going to be, you know, somebody would put it up in their work or something like that. But I just thought that was really kind of sad because you know what? This is not the picture of the devil. Now, this is a picture of, of a devil, a, a connotation that somebody's come up with. If you remember years ago, Flip Wilson, you remember Flip Wilson, uh, the comedian? And you remember what he used to say? The devil made me do it. That's right. The devil made me do it. And you know what? It, we may not say it that flippantly, but sometimes we can use that as a cop-out. Oh, the devil made me do it. When I was rude, oh, the devil made me do it. When I was uh, selfish, oh, the devil made me do it. It's all the devil. We can blame everything on the devil. But I think as we look through here on Paul's teaching on spiritual warfare, folks, I hate to break the bad news to you, uh, but you can't blame everything on the devil. Now, you are in spiritual warfare, but, you know, uh, a little foreshadowing is some of that warfare actually is right in here, and it ain't that devil that's out there that we'd all like to blame. So, some we may kind of, as we think about the devil and we think about spiritual warf warfare, we might have little cartoons, and we just kind of take a lighthearted look at it. Not a flippant necessarily, but just kind of a lighthearted. We don't, get, uh, don't think too deeply on it. Others, sometimes we can, uh, you know, it's this cosmic battle spiritual warfare and it's intriguing and 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 it's and it's and it's fascinating and you see this uh or we can't see it with our eyes but there's this dimension that we can't see but we get glimpses of in in sometimes in our movies and and obviously from the scriptures of this cosmic battle going on between the forces of good and the forces of evil there's god the supreme power and his angelic forces and then there's the the demons and not just the devil but there's all these demons around and we can't see them with our eyes but we know that they're out there so we have more of a, an image like this but then we also sometimes we might think of satan as being this kind of a mysterious character kind of sneaky kind of 
doesn't really want to draw a lot of attention to himself. Just kind of lurks in the shadows. And if you remember that, that portrayal of Satan in The Passion of the Christ, I thought that was the most brilliant uh, uh, connotation uh, or, or description of Satan that I think I'd ever seen. Because, folks, I think he's more like that. I don't think the devil wants to bring a whole lot of attention to himself. In fact, he's probably not really thrilled right now that we're on this lesson today. Because he knows that someone, someone or maybe a couple people might walk out of this room with a slightly different perspective or maybe no different perspective whatsoever, but just a new resolve to stand firm in the Lord and begin to experience more spiritual victory. So I don't think he's really thrilled about it at all that we're talking about him. But as we are talking about him, who is it that we're talking about? Who is the enemy? And that's your first little thing on your guide right there. So there we go. So you can start writing if you want to. Who is the enemy? Well, Jesus tells us who the enemy was, or at least the scriptures tell us in the occasion and of uh, uh, an event that happened very early on. In fact, it was the, the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Matthew 4.1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And now, you know, there's a, and we won't go off on this, but there's a lot packed into that verse right there. Do you see what's interesting about that? That he was led out by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. You remember the uh, Old Testament example of Job? You remember that didn't just happen to Job. All those terrible things didn't just happen to Job. You remember it started with Job being a godly man and, and, and serving the Lord and the devil came and, or Satan came and asked for an audience with God. So see, there's a glimpse right there that somehow Satan is limited, but he, the devil has some, sort, uh, some level of, ask, uh, of access to God. And he said, you know what? Job only uh, worships you and only follows you because you've been so good to him. And remember, it was God that allowed Satan to come against Job in that, that very, very difficult way. Why was it? You know what? Because God really knew what was in the heart of Job. God really knew that he was faithful to him and he loved him. And he served him because he was a righteous man. And through that experience, not only did it prove it to the devil, but it also further uh, uh, resolved it in Job's heart. That even... Though he slay me, I will worship him. I will serve him. Well, I tell you, that, that's a mouthful right there. I wonder if we really thought about what the possibilities were of what God could bring or what, could God, what God would allow to come against us to prove our resolve. How many of us would say, though he slay me, I will serve him. God wants to get every one of us to that point. So who is the enemy? He's the devil. We also see in Matthew 25 when, uh, God, uh, when Jesus was talking about uh, the, um, the judgment, he said, then he will also say to those on his left, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, we've added another group in here. Not only the devil, 
But now we see that he has angels. These are the fallen angels. A third of the angels of heaven in that, that cosmic battle that happened before the foundation of the earth. And a third of them fell. So there are these angels with Satan. And then uh, at the end of the temptation, finally Jesus said, Okay, the, the temptation's over. I've passed the test. I'm resolved. My ministry is beginning. He said, Then Je- Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. So he said Satan. He calls him by name now, Satan. When you look in the Old Testament, it mentions Satan. So Satan is the devil. But there are other devils, or in other words, fallen angels with the devil, his minions that help him to carry out the warfare against not only God, but God's people, as well as those who are not even in Christ uh, at this time. So we see there's the devil, we see his angels, we know that his name is Satan that we've learned from Jesus. And then immediately when Satan left, what happened? Then God's angels came and ministered to the needs of Jesus. Well, what is spiritual warfare? Well, now we'll look at the verses or the passage of Scripture where Paul gives us some insight into what spiritual warfare is. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 11, Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. That you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. He's a schemer. He's a liar. He's a destroyer. If you remember what Jesus said, the thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. That's his agenda. I mean, it's really not that difficult to figure out. What what does the devil want? What does he want? He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Why people ever want to get close to that guy, I have no earthly idea. Because that's his agenda. He's a destroyer. And Paul says that we have got to be strong, how? In the might of God, in God's might. So he tells us right away, it's not a battle that we can fight on our own. You cannot fight, you cannot be victorious in this spiritual warfare on your own and in your own strength. Even Philippians tells us that, uh, that, that uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, who gives me strength. I can do all things through Him. I cannot do all things on my own. And that we have to understand that the devil is a schemer. Now, what, think about that for a minute. When you think of someone who's a schemer, think about what kind of a person that is. Number one, a schemer is wanting to deceive. He's wanting to trick. He's wanting to lead someone to believe one thing when in reality something opposite of that is true. That's a schemer. Secondly, schemers are patient. They're very patient. We have to realize 
That when, when, when God wants us to be daily, moment by moment, filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not just to act good, it's also to think good, to think right. And when we go along and we miss something or we are oblivious to something or we're uh, uh, apathetic towards something or, or, or just not paying attention and we're rocking along in life, we have to understand that the schemer is laying down the track. He is already laying in place those things which ultimately he'll pull the trigger on and can absolutely destroy us. He may take years to do that. It may take years. You know, you're rocking along and everything seems fine. And then all of a sudden something blows up in your face. And you look back and you say, wow, all along the way, look what happened. He's a schemer. One of the most uh, uh, heartbreaking but fascinating uh, stories or illustrations about this was in the case of Gordon MacDonald. If some of you remember, he wrote the book, uh, Ordering Your Private World. He also wrote the book, Restoring Your Spiritual Passion, so forth. When I was here at Champion Force the first time back in the 80s, his uh, film series, Ordering Your Private World, we showed it here, and, and it was just really good. Boy, he was, he was at the top. He was the president of University Press. I mean, he was at the peak. He was at the top of his career and his professional life and everything else. Sought-after speaker, writing books, everything else. But he got involved in an adulterous affair. And the world was shocked. What? Gordon McDonald? And I remember listening to an interview with him on uh, Focus on the Family with Dr. James Dobson. And, and, and like I said, this was several years ago, but I've never forgotten it. I've never forgotten it. And, and uh, James Dobson asked him, he said, well, Jim, I, I, he said, uh, 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 I mean, I'm sorry, Gordon, what, can, can you tell me? He said, I don't want, I'm not asking for gory details, but I'm just asking you to tell us, can you tell us when it happened? What, when was that, that, that turning point? When was that fork in the road? When was that fateful decision that set the, the plan in course that eventually took you down? He goes, I can tell you exactly when it was. And I just listened with absolute fascination. As he said, I was speaking, I was at a speaking engagement, and the host that had, uh, uh, was, was hosting the event, afterwards, when I stepped down and he took me out to dinner, we were at a meal, and the, the host asked him, said, Gordon, what's the one thing you think that if you weren't careful, you weren't guarded, that Satan could take you out? You know what Gordon said? He said, you know what, there's a lot of things. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a flawed man, I'm a man with feet of clay, and everything else he said, but I can tell you the one thing it wouldn't be. He said it'd be in the area of immorality. Gordon said, he said, I believe the moment that I said that, that Satan said, that's the very area where I will destroy you. Why? Because he knew that he could devastate him the most if he couldn't even stand in the one area that he thought, I know how to not do this. I know how to not slip here. Gordon MacDonald told James Dobson, he said, he said, the reason I said this is because I had done my homework. I knew not to get in a car and drive with a woman that was not my wife and it would just be the two of us. I knew not to be in a room with a woman. I knew, I knew what not to do. He said, but there was pride in my heart. 
and I did not even realize it. It's a frightening thing in a sense when Scripture says, as I said at the beginning, that God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. What does that say? God gives grace to those who say, Lord, I, I could mess up things here in a heartbeat. You know, if you don't come through, I'm sunk. God said, you know, I can help somebody like this. But not only that if you're proud and you have pr- your heart is filled with pride, not only are you going to fight that out of pride, which you're inevitably going to lose. You know what the scripture says? God is opposed to the proud. You know what that actually says? He lets you on your own. That's why we should never, ever become prideful because that is, that is the death knell. So Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Matthew 26, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So not only, as we talk about spiritual warfare, and I know that last week you talked about Numa, the spirit, the, ho- the Holy Spirit, and the, the spirit within, and what is a man, you know, how are we composing all, and then uh, I think, uh, you know, Paul, I mean, uh, 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 Mark has been covering that and all, but when we talk about spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare, there is an evil spirit out there, Satan, I know you're just waiting for me to go, Satan, aren't you? Yeah, I know. I, I can see it in your eyes. Oh, do the church lady. Do the church lady, you know. Um, but we talk about uh, Satan out there, the devil, his minions, you know, the demons. But we're also spiritual creatures. And we also contend with this, this thing called the flesh. Now, sometimes the flesh is talking about this here, this, this. But then sometimes it's just simply talking about that which is in us that, is, that succumbs to and is susceptible to sin. It's that selfishness within us. If you're selfish, then that, that, that says, you know, then you are fleshy. When they talk about carnal Christians, you've got the spirit-filled Christian, you've got the natural man who's an unsaved person, and then you've got carnal Christians. Why, that's taken from the idea of the Scripture when it talks about we're fleshy fleshy that's why by the way is this slimming i wore a black shirt so anyways um but fleshy carnal and so we have to contend with that like i said early on we'd love to blame everything on the devil but sometimes it's just right here that we have to deal with because we're spiritual creatures and so sometimes the spiritual warfare is going on right in here and jesus even said look keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. You see that how he, he knows about that schemer out there. And he said you better pay attention that you don't fall into temptation or enter into temptation. The spirit is willing. Oh, I want to serve the Lord. I just want to serve him, oh God. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to serve you. But the flesh is weak because the flesh is what also says, no, I want to be noticed. I want to be appreciated. I want to be something. I want to be special. I want to be somebody. On and on and on and on. That's the flesh. Again, quoting from Paul. But I say, walk by the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. Walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Pretty simple 
in, uh, a, a recipe there for spiritual victory, wouldn't you say? He just says, if you walk by the Spirit, you're not going to carry out the desire of the flesh. I would say this too. If you walk in the Spirit, if you constantly ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit, you will not have to pray, God, what is your will? Why? Because you will automatically do His will. If your motivation is, Lord, I'm submitted to you. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Push out the flesh. Suppress the flesh. May the flesh be crucified. May you be lifted up in my life. Oh, Lord, I'm listening to you. I want to follow you. Lord, speak to me. My heart's listening. Give me your eyes. Give me your mind. Give me your heart. If you're praying like that, you're not ever going to have to say, Oh, Lord, what is your will? Because you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you will carry out and do His will. That's what Paul is saying. You walk by the Spirit, you'll not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit. That's why I can so identify with Romans chapter 7. When Paul said, the very thing I want to do, I don't do. And the very thing I don't want to do, I do. Oh, who will help this man that I am, this wretched man that I am, thanks be to Jesus Christ. You see that battle going on? You know, you got scholars that'll sit around thinking, well, but that was talking about Paul's life before he met Christ. And that was, you know, in chapter 8 is when the victory that he experienced in Christ. Man, all I know is when I read that, I can experience that. I know what that's like. I want to do this, but I keep doing this. I've got this battle raging on. And the Spirit sets, uh, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. Why is life sometimes so difficult? Because God's getting us ready for heaven, and we sure can't go there the way we are right now. The flesh is, is in opposition to the Spirit. So who's in the battle? Who's in the fight? Everybody. Every human being. You might even say the whole world is in this battle. Because it talks about when the, when the fall in Genesis, when the fall came in, the entire world was corrupted. Everything. The curse of having, now i got weeds in my garden. Why, where'd those come from? Sin entering the world. All of creation has been affected by it. Why is there pain in childbirth? Sin entering in the world. Why is there going to be this struggle between husband and wife, man and woman? Sin in the world. Why is there going to be this inclination for us to sometimes hide ourselves from God when we sin? It's because sin is in the world. Why is there disease? Why, is there, why are there terrible things like hurricanes and tornadoes that take the lives of people? Why do we have all these things? It's because sin entered this world and the whole creation is suffering and groaning because of the, the magnitude. Do you see why God takes it so seriously? Because he sees what it does and what it has done. So who's in the warfare? Everybody. You've got POWs in this warfare. And those are the unsaved people. They're prisoners of war. They don't even know it. 
Well, some people think they got their whole lives planned out. They're in charge. They got it controlled. Maybe they even believe in God. Well, you know, James also tells us that you say you believe in God, you do well. Even the demons believe and they shudder. That's kind of exciting though, isn't it? Think that even the demons shudder before God. That's awesome. Yeah. I can just imagine God just walks into the room and went, <laughs> you know, they, they just shut. There it is. Let's go, let's go. Yeah. And so you, you've got these POWs. So you've got people that don't even know the Lord and they don't even know that they are, as the scripture says, in bondage. They are prisoners of war. You've got MIAs. They're missing in action. Now these are saved people, but they're carnal. Maybe they have trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, daily struggle about making Him Lord or allowing Him to be Lord, even though He is already Lord. But they're just kind of MIA. They're missing in action. They're just kind of just bebopping along. Satan maybe can't have their soul, but he can sure make them ineffective. Another way to say, maybe say they're AWOL, you know, absent without leave. And that's kind of a choice that they make. Yeah, they're on this side, but they just kind of, they've deserted. But if you're MIAs, you know, it could be a whole bunch of circumstances that came up to where they got off track. They got cut off from the rest of the company. That's what an MIA is. They somehow they got lost. They're in the jungle. They're out there somewhere. They're still on uh, 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 they're still part of this army, but they got cut off from the rest of the, the company. We all know people like that. They made a profession of faith. They've come to faith in Christ. They believe in the Lord, but they got cut off. They've gotten cut off from the body of Christ. They've gotten cut off from that, that which will feed them and strengthen them on a regular basis. And they're on their own. They're missing in action. And spiritually, they're suffering. And they're struggling. And Satan cannot have their soul, but he can make them ineffective. And then we've got the warriors. Those are the Christians who are engaged in the battle. Are they successful every time? No. Do they get wounded? Yes. Do they get knocked down? Yes. But they understand that I'm in this war. There is no escape. I have nowhere to go. And I'm submitting to God that I might have the victory. Who's in this battle? Ephesians 6, 11 through 13. My goodness, where did our time go? We're out, aren't we? We need to wrap this up. Who's in the battle? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Do you see where Paul is giving us a little glimpse that Satan is organized. His army is organized. They have an agenda. They have an organization. They have a structure. They have a chain of command. And that's how they're effective. Why? This is important because we ought to understand when... when, when, um, uh, Matthew and I were coming into the church. We were driving up here for something the other day, and we were pulling into the parking lot. And Matthew asked me a question. He said, Dad, you know, how does, how does the devil, how does he tempt someone here in, 
in, you know, in, in China or whatever, in the United States, and then someone somewhere. How does he do that? You know, how does he do all that? And I said, well, you know, that's a really good question because I said, we don't know how many uh, demons he has, but he must have a bunch, but he doesn't, he's not omnipresent. You see, God, uh, Satan is not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere at one time. But he's got a great line of communication and demonic forces. That's also why we can't blame everything on him. We can't see a demon behind every bush because they're not there. They can't be everywhere. There's a limited number of them. There may be a lot of them, and we constantly uh, uh, encounter them in one way or another. But, you know, they're, they're spread out. They're limited. They're limited beings. But Paul is saying, look, there's, there's these rulers, these forces, there's, air, there's demons over areas, and they are constantly roaming to and fro, and they're reporting back to the war room. But I love this passage in Daniel chapter 10, when Daniel had been, um, again, giving us a glimpse of this, uh, this structure, uh, where Daniel had been praying for uh, God to reveal to him what the future of Israel was going to be. And while he was praying, he didn't, he didn't get an answer for three weeks, and he's still praying, he's still praying. Finally, Gabriel comes to give him the answer, the archangel Gabriel comes to give him the answer, and, 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 and Daniel said, what took you so long? And the, and, and the angel said, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left there with the king of Persia, or the kings of Persia. So see, there was this demonic force that apparently was over Persia, and when the the answer was coming from the Lord through an angelic being, there was spiritual warfare going on, and Gabriel couldn't get past him. I don't know about you, one day I, I can't wait to see Michael. What does Michael look like? He must be one bad, well, one good angel. <laughs> but when he shows up, man, he takes care of business. And Gabriel was freed up to be able to come and bring the message to Daniel. I mean, all this does. Listen, folks, let me, if there's one thing we really need to make sure that we get before we leave this place today, don't build a whole theology around and start maybe going off on tangents, you know, about something. What the Word of God does, it gives us glimpses into the spiritual realm. But the secret is very simple. Submit to God. Resist the devil, as it tells us in James, and he will flee from you. Very simple. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. That's really all we need to know. Okay? But it gives us a glimpse into the spiritual realm. Where is the battle fought? First of all, in our minds. In our minds. Romans 12, 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The battle is in our minds. You don't have to go find some battlefield to do battle with Satan. You don't even have to go find Satan. You're going to have a battle right here in your mind, in the spiritual realm. In our flesh, we already mentioned that. Once again, Galatians 5, 16, 17. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit. So we already know that we're in this world with a limp. And the flesh rages war against the Spirit. 
And it's a daily thing. It's a daily moment-by-moment thing. You can wake up in one morning, have your quiet time, have a great cup of coffee, read three chapters in the Scripture, go out, and you feel like you're on cloud nine. But by the time you get back that afternoon, you could be so unfilled with the Holy Spirit. Why? It is a moment-by-moment thing. Well, fill me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-time thing once you're filled. Because if that happens, you're stagnant. Okay, so you don't want to be just filled once. God's got to fill you continuously. How do we fight the battle? What not to do? And I want to share with you an example very quickly out of my own life when I was here at Champion Force the first time. Do not become conceited or arrogant. However, how many people ever read the book, This Present Darkness? All right, how many, uh, Piercing the Darkness and all. Frank Peretti, great writer, great books, awesome. It was kind of basically giving us a glimpse of the, the spiritual realm and the earthly realm. And it was kind of, and that's, uh, it was based kind of like on, on, on Daniel chapter 10. You know, where we see the, the demons and how they're doing warfare and all. But there was this one passage, there was this one part in the book where this pastor finally comes to a point of understanding what's going on in this town. Why some of these things are happening. And he finally says, okay, I, I, I'm getting it here. And he's reading his, the word and the spirit gives him insight into this. And he's sitting on a park bench, and I remember this, where, where, where the, the, this pastor basically said something like this, Satan... I know you're out there, and I just want to serve notice that I'm going to be a thorn in your flesh. It worked out good for him in the book. It did not work out good for this stupid middle school pastor that thought he could do that and he was really something. Because when I prayed that, all hell broke out in my life. And I'm not using it as a cuss word. I'm just, that's literal. Because I prayed something really stupid like that. I read that book, and boy, I got all pumped up. And I said, well, Satan, and when there were struggles around me, I said, Satan, I just know that's you, and I just want you to know I'm serving others. I'm going to be thorn in your flesh. I think Satan said, all right, big boy. Let's see what you got. stupid to pray that you know what you don't even have to talk to satan you don't even have to acknowledge him you just simply submit to god resist the devil and he will flee from you because let me tell you satan can't stand being in the company of someone who's constantly submitting to his enemy don't ever become arrogant like that remember god is opposed to the proud gives grace to the humble so watch out and make sure there's not pride in here. And let me tell you, is again, what James says, you know, is when you look in the mirror and you see something, don't just turn your head and walk away like you never saw it. What good is that? The reason we look in the mirror is to fix things that are out of order. Right? That's the whole reason. Why, why look in the mirror for anything else? Unless you're one of those people. You know? Maybe you're one of those. Okay, I understand. I'm, I stand corrected. But how do we fight the battle? Through faith in Jesus Christ. Through faith in Jesus Christ. And the seven sons of Eskiva, Jewish chief priests, were doing this. What were they doing? They were trying to exercise a demon out of a man. Check this out in Acts chapter 19. 
It's a fascinating passage. And you know what they said? I mean, these, Jew, these Jewish uh, sons of this chief priest didn't even have a relationship with God. Didn't even have a relationship with Christ. And what are they saying? They're trying to exercise this demon out of this man. And look what the demon said. This would scare the bajugis out of me. I recognize Jesus, and I know about Paul, but who are you? Can you imagine? I mean, they must have just gone blank. Well, he didn't stay blank. And the man in whom the evil spirit leaped on them and subdued them and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. I mean, can you imagine that demon saying, I know all about Jesus. I don't, we know about Paul. I haven't got a clue about you. They tried to do warfare with, with the devil and they did not even know the Lord. They did not have his might to do the battle. And the demon had him for lunch. Through prayer. This kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. Jesus was talking about when the man brought his, his son who, was, who had a demon. And the, and the disciples couldn't cast him out of him. And then Jesus cast him out. And he said, look, this kind of thing, it doesn't just happen because you speak it. It doesn't just happen because you, you command the demon. And by the way, that's another thing that I would, would highly recommend. Unless you are absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has given you such insight to know if someone is demon possessed, which I do believe it can happen, I can believe believe that people can be demon oppressed and demon possessed difference oppressed we can all experience demon oppression but someone who does not have the holy spirit living within them can be demon possessed and that can happen but you better be absolutely sure before you start trying to command satan to do anything unless you know that you are in right relationship with god that Christ lives within you, that you are filled with the holy spirit and he has specifically directed you to say that to that demon you remember the, the passage also in Acts when Paul's walking along, there's this servant girl that was, had uh, these masters that they just made money off of her divination. And so anyway, she's following along. And what was she saying? This was what's so amazing. She was saying, listen to them. They speak of the God most high. Listen to them. Listen. She's saying all the right things. The problem is she's causing a commotion and Paul's walking along and finally he's getting irritated and he finally has the insight to know, turns around to her and says, and, and commands a demon to come out of her. Now, that's exciting. That makes for a great story. But you better be careful before you start trying to do what Paul's doing. But he knew that even though she was saying all the right things, there was a demon behind that. Isn't that just like what the Scripture tells us, that he comes as an angel of light? You've got to be so careful. In Ephesians 6.18, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition, for all the saints. So how do we fight the battle? Through meditation. In the Lord. Through prayer. Through meditation. Look what Paul says in Philippians 4.8. Finally brethren whatever is true. Whatever is honorable. Whatever is right. Whatever is pure. Whatever is lovely. Whatever is of good repute. Or good reputation, if there's any excellence in anything worthy of praise, what? Let your mind dwell on these things. Meditation. Yes, Christians should meditate. Just make sure you're meditating on something that is grounded in the Word of God, that you're thinking on God. Don't just clear your mind. No, if you 
create a void, then, then that's dangerous. Something's going to fill it. But you meditate on God's Word. That's why it's good to have Scriptures up in the home. It's why it's good to, to, to be reading Word. It's why it's good to be listening to, to songs that are, that are rooted in Christ and the truth of the Gospel. Let your mind dwell on these things because that's where the battlefield is. When He takes us down in our minds... And listen, that's right, that right there is where we have to discern truth. Because what did Jesus say about truth? You shall know the truth, and what? The truth will set you free. If you don't know the truth, and if you're not going to God's Word, then you are going to be in bondage. You will be one of those people who are oppressed, possibly. Look what 2 Corinthians 10.5, Paul once again says, We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. When you take that thought captive, listen, we have thousands and thousands of thoughts that go through our mind every day. And when you have one of those thoughts that come through your mind, you've got to take that and say, now wait a minute now, is this of God or is this of the devil? See, I'll tell you this, and I'm about to wrap this up. I don't know how Satan tempts us. I don't know how an immaterial being affects us in, in the material world. I don't understand how he does that. I don't know how he plants a thought in our head. I know that whenever uh, 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 Judas was going to betray Christ, it said that Satan put it in him to do that. Of course, Jesus called him a, a son of the devil or a devil. I don't know how Satan does that. I don't know. I, I, you know. I mean, is it like one of those dog whistles, you know? We can't hear it, but they can I don't know. Is there something, some frequency? or something? I have no idea how he does that. I just know the scripture says he can do that. But I also know that he's a master student of us. And he knows, as he watches, he knows where our shortcomings are. He knows where we are susceptible. He knows where we can be tempted. And somehow, some way, he's able to affect things in our lives and affect us in such a way where we can be deceived. That's why it's important to always take. That's why it's so absolutely important that this is your frame of reference. The Word of God. Not experience. Experience is fine. It only complements what God's working on. But the Word of God, if you have an experience that may seem so real, and I mean, I know it's true because I experienced it, you better search the Word of God and make sure that it lines up with what the Scripture says. Because if it doesn't, ditch the experience and go with God's Word. Because Satan is a deceiver and he comes as an angel of light. And we've got to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. This is the final verse right here. Ephesians 6, 13 through 18. Through God's Word. Now they say, well, wait a minute, that says more than God's Word. No, no, it's, uh, it's all rooted in God's Word. And it, and it finishes with that. The only offensive weapon that we have as Christians. Therefore, take up the full armor of God. Not just part of the armor. Not just the helmet on Thursdays and the shield on Wednesdays and the sword on Fridays. You know, Take up the full armor of God that you may be able to what? Run after the devil and beat him up? No, resist the devil. Resist the devil. That's what you're doing. You're resisting him. You're not chasing after him. 
It's not your calling to go chase down every demon you can find and, and, and give him the riot act. No, you resist the devil. Don't worry, he's coming. There's plenty you have to deal with. He'll, he'll find you. Okay? Resist the devil. Resist in the evil day. And having done everything to what? Run after him? No, stand firm. Stand firm. Having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. What? The truth? And having put on the breastplate of righteousness that, that guards your heart. What? The righteousness of Christ. The righteousness that I have in Christ. Not my own righteousness. I don't want a shield of my own. I, have a, I mean a breastplate of righteousness. I, I mean a breastplate of my own. I have a breastplate of righteousness. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That's what you're carrying with you everywhere you go. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith. Lord, I don't understand this. Lord, I don't get this. I, I, but I'm trusting you because I have my faith in you. And I'm reminded that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So even though I can't understand this and I don't see what all is going on, I'm trusting you. And that's what those fiery darts are hitting against that as you continue to keep your faith strong in Christ in which you were able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation. You know, your brains most of the time are pretty important. You need to protect them. That's why they wear helmets. Because one good blow to the mind and you're done for. Where's the mind? Right here, the mind. The renewing of the mind, the protecting of the mind. And the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. The Word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. So, some things, just real quickly as we review this, some things we think, of, we think of is that there's a battle out there and everybody's involved in it. You're either going to be MIA, you're going to be POW, or you're going to be one of the warriors. You can't escape it. You can't wake up next week and say, you know what, I just don't think I'm going to be in that old battle. Just don't feel like fighting. Well, you're in it. You're in it. You can't get out of it. You can't run from the, the battlefield. You're in it. You're either going to be made in, uh, uh, you, Satan's going to incapacitate you, or he's going to take you, or he, you're going to be doing battle. But you know what? The battle isn't just with the bad guy. He's out there and his minions, but it's also right here. Because we're spiritual beings as well. And we have to contend with the flesh. And we do that through meditation. That we contend with that meditating on God's word. We do it through prayer. But most importantly we have to understand that we must have the helmet of salvation. That's where it all begins. We must be in Christ. Because if you are not in Christ, you cannot do spiritual battle. I mean, you just don't have the resources. You don't have what you need. You will be eaten up. Or taken prisoner of war. But as we do, we understand that this warfare, what it's called, this warfare, our job as Christians is to do everything we can that we know up here and that we've been taught for a long time in our lives and especially taught in the Word of God is that we must get ready to stand firm. I'm not going to wear shoes like this if I'm going to go play a basketball game because I'll be slip sliding away. If I want, I've got to have the right shoes. I've got to have the right equipment to do what I'm supposed to do. And you know what? That's is. And how are you going to do that? You need to be prepared to stand firm. Submit to God. Resist the devil. That's it. That's the secret, if you will, to spiritual warfare. Understanding that he's trying to deceive us all along. But we have the truth. 
And we constantly come to the truth in Christ. And he will make us victorious. Thanks again for letting me be with you. Let's pray together. Father God, I just thank you for this day and thank you for this time to be with your people. Thank you, Lord, for setting aside this time for us to study your word. I pray, Lord, that you would teach us. I pray, Lord, that you would give us hearts to learn. I pray, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see. I pray, Lord, that you would give us minds to perceive. Lord, help us every day, moment by moment, to submit to you. I pray, Lord, that you would rid us of pride and selfishness and the things that feed the flesh. Lord, I pray that you would give us resolve to stand firm against the evil one and his devils. Lord, I pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and the truth of your word. That through victory, we will bring honor and glory to you. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all.